This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome once again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. Today, we have some shorter articles for you. Last week and the week before, we had a very long series on the three elements of charisma. And that totaled about four hours of chatting all about one topic. Today we're going to break it up a little bit more and get into some articles that we've had bookmarked for a while and we're finally able to discuss now. First one is 10 new rules for brainstorming without alienating introverts. Try this revolving door policy for your next brainstorm by letting introverts come and go when they please. And this article is from fastcompany.com, written by Judah Pollock and Olivia Fox Caban. And I guess maybe have choreography in mind, or whatever you might um, collaborate on in the line dance world. Uh, I suppose it could be done uh, as team teaching as well, if you have teaching ideas or how to host an, uh, an event or a night with somebody who isn't as comfortable speaking up and saying, let's try this, let's try that, they might be more naturally introverted. Consider the tips in this article. The brainstorm is beloved by some and dreaded by many. We live in a world that offers choice for everything from styles of coffee to TV shows to TVs themselves, but when it comes to brainstorming, we pretty much have one option. Get everyone in a room and start throwing ideas out there. This generally works well for extroverts, though some say otherwise, and not so great for everyone else. It doesn't have to be this way. In fact, there's a way to brainstorm without aggravating or alienating the introverts on your team, and it isn't as difficult as one might think. One brainstorm, different brains. Professor Dario Nardi of UCLA has been conducting cutting-edge research on brain connectivity for years. As he recently explained it to us, Generally, introverts spend more time processing data, have more activity and linkages in the back half of the brain, and are more easily overstimulated. Oppositely, Nardi adds, extroverts spend less time processing data, have more activity and linkages in the front half of the brain, and are easily understimulated. So while there's some debate as to whether the introvert-extrovert divide is an oversimplification, brain science nonetheless points to a spectrum anchored on either end by thinking patterns that are virtual mirror images of one another. This means many introverts enjoy traditional shout-it-out, put-it-up-on-the-board brainstorming. They like the stimulation. They like the speed of data processing. But introverts get overwhelmed by all the noise. Because introverts process data more slowly, they tend to get exhausted trying to keep up with all the ideas flying around, one after another. There's no time to process them all. Not only does the traditional brainstorm disadvantage introverts, it shortchanges your whole team, which is missing out on many of the ideas or synthesis of ideas that introverts can offer the whole group. The New Rules of Brainstorming Fortunately, all it takes is putting in place some new rules that takes brainstorming from a free-for-all, only extroverts can love, to a truly collaborative process. 1. Let folks come and go. Not everyone has to be there all the time while the brainstorm is taking place. Different people have different tolerance levels for the process. Don't force introverts to stay longer than they can be of use. I guess for something like this, I think about all the collaborations that happen at uh, events um, and how you don't, you know, like some people will be teaching at the event, some people are just attending the events. Um, and it's a nice way also for everyone to, you know, break off, let some thought process um, with whatever you're discussing or if you're actually, you know, collaborating on a dance um if you have lessons you have to get to or other things that you have to get to then you guys can meet back up it lets the body kind of like digest what's going on and if it's multiple people um 
you know, like say there's a, a pair of three or four and two people can work on it while two other people have to go, you know, and then maybe only one person can come back and meet up with one of the people, be like, oh, this is what we were working on. And it kind of just opens it up and lets it flow a little bit easier as opposed to we have 20 minutes for all of us to stay here and let's cram this out and then potentially not get a good result at the end Um, as opposed to, okay, well, we have 20 minutes, but we can all meet back up in two hours or, you know, like I have an hour break here, you have an hour break there, we can meet up there and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's like a really meaty part of the chorus and there are four counts in the last eight that you really want to hit. And you really don't care as much about the rest of the dance because it all just seems like it's leading up to that big moment. And everybody's still hung up on how to start the dance or the second eight count. And you are sitting there watching, waiting for it to get to the part that you want to work on. You could just as easily say, all right, um... I'm liking all the ideas here. I really look forward to seeing what you guys settle on. I'm going to go, if it's all right with everybody, work on these four counts and and see what kind of like big splashy thing can be done here. I think there's an opportunity to put a really cool hook in. And then you guys just let me know. I'll be right over there. Let me know when you get to that part so I can join you in all this. Because they might be thinking like, I, I don't care. They have such strong opinions about this second eight count and I have no stake in that part at all I don't know how, how group uh, choreographers um, work because we've never been in a group larger than two uh, but I can imagine that being a situation that would be stressful for them when they're asked to give an opinion that they would have to fake because they really really are not interested in that part they had that one big thing that they want to just come back and add later yeah um, another thing with that, like, I am definitely a different type of choreographer in the sense where I might not necessarily have a bunch of, like, great ideas on how to start something, so I don't necessarily know how to throw out ideas. So, like, that can get overwhelming when you're first starting a project where it's like, oh, okay, um... Yeah, I have nothing to add right now. And that, that I guess, in some ways can probably be that same kind of feeling for the overwhelmed, overstimulated um, introvert. Whereas, you know, later on down the road, once, like, the ball's kind of rolling in a little bit, I can build off what other people are feeling for the music and where they were seeing things. Um, and that that's kind of that same feeling of, uh, I don't necessarily know what I can bring to the table. Uh, I'm trying to process what's going on here. I don't know where to start that potentially they've described above with the introverts, whereas the extroverts are like, Oh, let's do this and let's do that. And let's do this and let's do that. You know, I'm, when it comes to choreography, I still feel so new that I don't feel like I really could take charge just yet. Two. Invite introverts to show up later. Dot, dot, dot. And just to complete that thought, number three starts dot, 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 even halfway through. Number two. Invite introverts to show up later. Don't force them all to arrive right in the beginning. Many extroverts talk out loud, they meant think out loud, to figure out what they actually think. Okay, they probably meant it exactly like that. That can be really productive for them, but exhausting and frustrating for introverts. Introverts often have to keep waiting for an extrovert to get to the point, and meanwhile, they can't think about their own ideas. Completing that thought with number three, even halfway through, It doesn't hurt to let introverts show up in the middle of the session after up to half of the time you've allotted has already gone by. That may sound like a lot, but as long as they're using the same period to mull over their own ideas independently, it's not a waste. Just make sure the introverts know it isn't a free pass to opt out of the process. Instead, they'll show up later on with their own thoughts better formed. And when they do, have someone give them a recap, which will in turn help the extroverts get their own ideas in order and refocus the session. 
don't know. It might be a little bit different when it comes to choreography on the whole, like, halfway through. Because I feel like everybody needs to start with the song mm. and agree on the song. So that's kind of like the beginning. You can't exactly be like, hey, Chris, me and so-and-so decide that the three of us are going to choreograph a dance to this song. So uh, congrats, you're in on the project. Mm. <laughs> um, but I can see how having that space before like really throwing around some ideas uh can help having your own thoughts to like kind of organize so that when you do meet up with the group you can be like okay this is this eight count here uh this point in the chorus here uh you know and such and so forth this is what I was hearing and then at least you'll have something to go off of as opposed to like okay well how do we all want to start this dance how do we want to finish? You know, where where did we hear this? Where did we hear that? If you come in with a, you already having notes, you know, like things can get a little bit more organized and potentially, I would assume, go faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple things that this reminds me of. One is when we're trying to learn a dance that neither of us have even looked at the step sheet for. I know it can be confusing for either of us if we haven't quite figured out how to describe what the steps are in tempo with trying to do it and if you learn something incorrectly because you're just thinking out loud and you're like okay then this goes to that and then this goes to that and then you you're learning while you're still figuring it out you might learn it a quarter or a half incorrectly while you're turning and it can sometimes be easier if one person processes more easily by thinking out loud uh, and the other person gets confused by that, it might be easier for the other person to just say, all right, you know what? You do you. You figure this out. I'm going to hang out over here. When you're done, I'll be back. So don't think that I'm not paying attention or that I've given up on the dance. I just need you to know 100% what you think you're teaching. (laughs) And then I won't learn two versions of the same dance. One incorrect, one correct. Is that what you really think is going on in my head when I take a step back? <laughs> no. I'm not naming any names here. <laughs> no, that's, it's a great point, and it's really, it's, it's true. Um, I know for me, I certainly learn differently than you. Certainly. And sometimes I can only handle four counts at a time where you have to see where it takes you. And so that's one of those things where uh, I know I've stepped away for a minute while you continued to go on because I was like, I can't handle it. And while watching you, you know, like figure out where it takes you, I'm going over the steps that are comfortable with me and adding on those, like, say, four counts and then I also get to kind of see a preview of what what I'm doing next, but I don't feel rushed into trying to keep up with you. Mm. And the other thing that it reminds me of is where it says they'll show up later on with their own thoughts better formed. It can be stressful when a lesson isn't fully ready. Like, let's say there are people who say, oh, teach us such and such dance and you're like okay yeah I'll get to that one at some point and they go into a room thinking okay what I'm going to teach is this this is what I've prepared for and so on and then they say alright teach this dance now you haven't prepared but it doesn't matter we want to learn it and now they have to think as they go and that for somebody who I don't know if maybe maybe it's not an extrovert-introvert thing. Maybe it's more of a perfectionist or not thing. But um, it can be stressful for the person to be thinking as they go and trying to figure out how to describe it as they're describing it to people. So they say things one way one, one time, and then they go through and do the same wall, and they alter what they say to fit it better with the music or something, and... Then they might flub, and that can that can be stressful to like have the the red hot iron like held up right next to their face as they're t- 
teaching, uh, for somebody, introvert, perfectionist, whatever it might be, um, to have an opportunity to show up later, as they're saying, even halfway through, and have them do open social dance or have another teacher cover the first bit so that they can, uh, as they say here, come back, show up later with their own thoughts better formed, then they can feel prepared and, uh, and structured and not have to adopt a thinking style that isn't really natural for them, like thinking out loud if that's not what they feel most confident in doing when they teach. Yeah, no, and you bring up a good point. I mean, I don't know how many times I've used one of your lessons because all of a sudden, you know, someone asked me to teach something mm. and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, because I, I like to be the most prepared for when I'm in front of people because when I'm in front of people giving a speech or giving a lesson, that is when the introvert side of me really shows through mm. where it's... You know, like, I get very nervous. I get very overstimulated. I get very, you know, like, almost into that that panic anxiety section because if I don't feel like I'm prepared, I don't feel like I have the confidence to teach it. You say overstimulated, and for me, it can be, like, oversensitized or any tiny little thing that might be somebody being confused or somebody questioning something in a way that seems critical, you blow it up in your, not you, but like the royal you. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I might take that and be like, well, you know what? I, I didn't even know I was teaching this. Like you would get, get all defensive and like, you're like, why, do, why do they hate my lesson so much? It's, it's not fair. I should have had more time to like, like I said, oversensitized all the little things that would be easily addressable with more time. Um, everything gets amped up when you're in that panicked state of, um, unconfident unreadiness yeah I know I've been there yeah so I mean it definitely helps with the idea of being able to you know form your thoughts before you have to share them with others um, and again you know you've mentioned it in the dance the actual teaching part of it as well as you know just in general you know throwing out ideas throwing out ideas can be very stimulating, very hard to process. Um, I know when, you know, like I work with just you, I let you start the dance and then I go, Ooh, I like that. What'd you just do kind of thing. And then we build on it from there as opposed to, you know, like, Oh, I have this eight count and you have this eight count and they're both for the same eight counts. Then we have like choices to make and things get tricky and you know, it's, it's easier when you're able to come in to the flow for me as opposed to starting it. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing it reminds me of is conversations I've had where I'm trying to explain something and it's like a heated conversation. It's moving along like a train. It can't go back. Like people are building on what the other person is saying and you're trying to explain why something was done or said a certain way. So you try to make an analogy and you don't really know where it's going to go. And then the other person doesn't seem to be understanding. It's like, well, you know what? I'm doing the best I can here. I'm thinking on the fly. <laughs> and they would feel better if they had the opportunity to stop and, th and prepare their thoughts. And generally, like as with the teaching situation, uh, have a little space to figure out what's going on internally before they try to share that externally because as an introvert that's where you feel safe is on the inside what's going on in your head plan out you know the 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 order of things you're going to say whereas if they're having this heated debate with an extrovert and they're comfortable just throwing out this that and the other uh, then it almost seems like they are, quote, like winning the argument just because they are saying the most things and they seem more, more comfortable saying the most things. Thus, they're like dominating the conversation with just any old thing that pops into their head while the introvert is feeling beaten up and, um, and silent. Four. Hmm. Impose a moment 
of silence. After the recap, declare a three-minute period of silent reflection for everybody to write down their thoughts. This will give the introverts a chance to process what they've heard. Then, when the brainstorm is opened up again, the newly joined introverts share their ideas first. Number five, then open the door again. The introverts don't have to stay. They can leave at this point if they want. That's interesting that they would allow them to give their thoughts and then leave as though they don't have responsibility for the consequences of their thoughts. Like they're allowed to just mic drop. <laughs> um... Yeah, I had something and then got distracted by the idea that then they can leave again. Mm -hmm. um, I liked the idea of having a moment of silence. Uh, I kind of feel like we do this naturally when you and I were chore we choreograph together. We come together, pitch ideas, and then we break off again and work on our own thing. And then we come back together, pitch, pitch ideas, and then we go back to like our separate corners essentially after a certain point in the dance we've gotten so far that you know it just makes more sense for us to be right next to each other walking through everything and you know just building off of it right next to each other but i know that it really helps me when we're able to take a, a chunk and then separate and work off of that chunk uh, because we're going to see things different. We're going to hear things different. Um, and having it all right there trying to uh, crank out, you know, as much as you can. Like, you have the added time pressure. The, you know, when are the five of us going to be in the same room again? Who knows? Because we're all from different parts of the world. Um, which is also why it's really nice to have you know, apps like WhatsApp and stuff like that where you can still communicate, but I know it's really beneficial when, like, all the choreographers want to film the demo together. Mm. That's, I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch everybody do the same thing together. You mentioned something uh, occasionally during lessons <clears throat> when people aren't saying anything, like... Uh, does anybody have any questions? Does anyone want to go over it again? And nobody says anything, but you say she who speaks makes the rules or something like that, or maybe speaks first. I'm not sure what it is exactly that you say. Uh, that That's one of those things that can help ensure that introverts get their steps in. Because if everybody is off coming up with a different idea for the eight count, <clears throat> or maybe they're given a patch of steps and they say, all right, you take these four. But then the person before them, who's louder, says, okay, so I know I did my four, but then I also thought these next four would look really good. And the introvert doesn't want to be like, oh, well, that was actually my four. Um, I, I was going to be doing the fine. We'll just go with yours. They look okay. Like, don't give the other person the chance to just because they want to and they're impulsive and they're loud uh, just say the first thing that that looked good to them because people might imprint on it and it's not fair to the other person who had to wait their turn and share what they came up with when you know they thought things that were equal um, if people see those other four steps first whether or not they're quote better or whatever than the other person's four they might even be the same as the other person's for, or very similar to them, uh, they might get credit. The, the louder person might get credit just because they said it first. And then the other person, the introvert, might feel like, oh man, now, now I have to come up with my own because even though those, those steps work, like I wanted to contribute and now I don't feel like I am hmm. because the other person did it for me hmm. on my four counts. Uh, so yeah, that might be when it's it's good to have the introverts share their ideas first. Really be sure that they they get their say because other people are just going to make their say happen and then what, what they say goes. Yeah, that kind of comes along the lines too, I guess, of uh, when I ask specifically, did we want to repeat those, add on, move to the next wall? And I always go by... 
the, I guess you could, lack of a better term, slowest mm. option. So, in other words, if someone says repeat that and someone says move on, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, so that I would rather people get to that point where they know the dance so well by the time I'm done teaching the first wall that, like, the next three walls I can speed through. Mm-hmm. But I'm also okay with taking every single wall slowly and repeatedly because I want to make sure that the person who's struggling has the most opportunities. So the introvert, who's most likely going to be the quiet one, if you give them more opportunities to speak, you know, they're going to have, you know, more opportunities to actually get their voice heard. And maybe potentially that's something that an extrovert, you know, might really benefit on because they might not have seen it that way on how to put certain steps together. And the introvert has a great idea to bridge the gap between, you know, two or three counts that otherwise could have been overlooked. I still have a little bit of trouble with that idea that the introverts don't have to stay and they can leave and not listen to their fellow collaborators. Like, that doesn't seem right either. So for that point on number five, maybe the introverts don't have to stay if it's not directly related to what they're doing. Like we were saying about um, the the counts that they're they're not as interested in they'll just do whatever the other people say is is fine for those because they don't feel like that part i don't know is as critical for them to enjoy as much as the other part that they have been given the four counts in the course or something i think like it's it's really ultimately like a do unto others thing like if you're sharing your four counts then it's important that you see what everyone else's are otherwise why should they look at yours but if they start talking about the weather in southeast United States versus the other side of the world or whatever, you know, who who knows what, what people talk about during these, these sort of sessions, then it, their time might be better spent. If they, assuming they have a finite amount of social energy to devote to this project, don't use it all up on uh, something that won't contribute to, like, you know, a lasting piece of art. It can be fun and create social bonds to have small talk. Uh, but for somebody who really is like a quiet artist and could come up with some amazing things, if you, to put it slightly impolitely, didn't waste their time, uh, then you, you really need to ask yourself, like, what is the objective of this meeting of people? Like, if you want to just come together and hang out and put out a dance and, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but at least you had a great time, that's fine. There are projects for that. There are songs for that. But if it's, like, a slow nightclub and you, like, really want to evoke people's, like, innermost fears and things when they're when they're doing this dance, then they might not be able... The introvert might not be able to get into that mindset while everybody's talking about burgers and stuff. So yeah, that that might be the time to like open the door for them to like okay, step out if if you need to. It looks like this is going to be going on for a while, uh, but we'd really love to see what you have for this set of counts, and then you know afterwards we'll talk about that that thing that's relevant to you, because it's a real thing. This like finite social energy. People can only deal with a large group of people for so long. Even if I mean you, th- you might think well maybe as kids, but as they get older they should be able to just conform like everyone else, but. Some people are more sensitive than others to that sort of thing. Yeah, I kind of think... I don't know. It's tricky with this let them leave again. Obviously, if you say... I mean, it's different when it comes to events. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we all have things that we're trying to do and we all have lessons we're trying to go to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of us might be volunteering and working during a certain period of time. And some of us might be teaching the lesson. Some of us just might want to be taking the lesson. Or maybe we're even at that point where we're just over-fried with how many lessons we've taken. Mm. Um, So having the idea that not everybody has to stay the whole time makes sense in the in the idea that like oh yeah yeah I have I have about half an hour here but then I'll be back in an hour 
you know, and then somebody else is like, oh, I have an hour here, but then I'll be back in two hours. So, like, if you guys can keep meeting back up so that it's it's continuously, like, the ball is continuously rolling, I think that that's helpful. As for, like, you said, like, the mic drop thing, it's kind of like, okay. Because um, the other thing is I know introverts want to be a part of the whole thing. Oh, it's yeah. just sometimes it's a lot to handle. So it's not that they don't want to be included the whole time. It's just sometimes they'll need five minutes here and there just to kind of like process, which is why I like the idea of the ever so revolving door and the like taking a moment of silence or a break or something like that or how like we've done it where we've, you know, stepped apart. We're still in the same room, but we're, you know, we're separate from each other going over things and trying ideas separately and most of the time if i remember correctly like we don't even face each other we like turn like opposite of each other so that it's like we really are in our own room and then we come back together Hmm. six pause every 30 minutes if there are introverts who want to stick around halt the brainstorm every half hour and ask directly if they have anything to share They don't have to, but creating the space makes it much more likely you'll get the benefit of their insights, too. Okay. I like that idea of scheduling things like breaks because it makes it less awkward for somebody to ask for something like that. Yeah. I think that that applies to uh, a lot of things that that could be done in, in the dance world, like... Even if you were doing a teach and you know it's going to be a long teach and you think to yourself, because you're an experienced dancer, like, oh, well, we'll just crank out all 64 counts and, uh, you know, call it a day. We'll throw in the tag. We'll do everything. And if the, you know, if one student thinks, you know, a few counts in, like, wow, that was a really a lot to process. I think I need to get some water, just like step outside, get some cool air and then I'll feel like less overwhelmed and stressed about this dance and I can really go back in with my full energy. If they're not given that opportunity and they don't want to ask for it, then they're not going to have a great experience learning that dance. Whereas if you tell them, okay, so yeah, it's a kind of a beast of a dance, 64 counts, it's crazy, right? Well, let's do, let's do the first 16 counts, see how we feel. We'll definitely get up to 32 and take a water break. And then after that, you know, we'll see whether we want to keep going to the end or take another break after 16. Like, if you tell them in advance, then they don't have to be the bad guy slowing the whole class down with their silly little break that they feel is an inconvenience for everyone. Um, like, instead, it's on the instructor. And if anybody gets mad and says, like, oh, well, I, I already know. I'm, I'm going so quickly through this thing. Uh, why are you slowing everything down? The instructor's job, partly, is to take responsibility for that and, and say, like, oh, Yep, sorry, that's the way it is. Whereas if uh, one of the learners wanted to do that, they might not be able to defend themselves as easily against somebody who has objections because they're not trained for that sort of thing. The instructor has that as one of their many hats. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why, um, since we split teach a lot of things, such as uh, most Mondays and Wednesdays at Sonoma State Line Dance Club, and then, you know, Thursdays at Hot Monk. Uh, I like the idea that I know at clubs specifically, for the most part, before I teach, after you've taught, I'll ask, does anybody want a water break? Or did we want to dance something real quick just to kind of like loosen it up and not have our brains really think? Just to kind of like give that moment of break for anybody who wants it. And normally they take it. Normally, you know, one person will request a song and those who want to dance it can dance it. Those who want to take the water break can take the water break. It's really just kind of that nice three or four minutes to just kind of like readjust and switch modes. Because I know sometimes going from one lesson to another to another to another to another can be really taxing. Having that, you know, little bit of transition period is nice, which is also why, like, I love when workshops have like the lunch break and then the dinner break, you know, like having, even if it's just a half an hour, yes, it would be nice to, you know, have that half an hour filled with dance, which is why things such as, you know, Vegas dance explosions lobby is very beneficial 
for those who maybe haven't been cramming since nine o'clock in the morning because they were still asleep. Um, <laughs> they still have that opportunity to dance a little bit, but it's not a requirement. Mm -hmm. Seven, bring all the introverts back in at the end. When the brainstorm is over, invite any introverts who've left back into the room to look over the notes on the board. Have the extroverts explain anything that's confusing. Then ask the introverts to think about the topic overnight. As they process data more slowly, they may have some fresh ideas a day later. I've definitely found that to be the case with choreography as well as even just naming a dance. Something that seems like a great idea one day, the next day you think that makes no sense. Why would anyone want to refer to it as that when they're teaching it? This would be so much simpler and it's less flashy, but it's easier to, to understand what are those initials supposed to mean anyway? Like so many confusing things can happen when you're um, when you're just choosing impulsively as opposed to thinking about the long term, which can really happen if you give the thought process more time. Yeah, um, I like the idea, so to say, as the um, letting it process slowly because even when you have a bunch of great ideas, having that extra time to really decide that yes that is the route I want to go that is the one I want to stick behind as the choreographer is nice because sometimes you feel like a dance is finished and then like a day later you're like I really wish I would have waited to publish that step sheet mm. just a day I would have adjusted that step right there into this uh, you know it's like something to that and I, I understand you know like you find a hot track and you want to get your dance out there because chances are there's going to be six other dances to it. Um, but you can't have it, you can't be the first one out and have it jeopardize, you know, what it could have been. But at the same time, you don't want to wait six months for, you know, one song when you're like, do I like it or am I sure I like it? Man, I really wish I would have just published this because it's been the same for six months. I haven't changed anything from it. I still like it exactly the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know we've talked before about how people will imprint on the first dance they learn to a song, even if another dance comes out that might fit it better or has more counts or fewer counts. Whatever they learn first is probably what they'll end up sticking with because as we've discussed before, when you're thinking about learning a more complex or like the circuit official version of some dance, but you've already learned some other one at your local bar that isn't done anywhere else, but it's the one you know, then you think, oh no, I already have a dance to that. Like if that song comes on, there's something I can do to it. So you don't need to take the time and do that other one. And that's what delaying too long can, uh, can do is give people opportunities to learn other dances and not yours. And on an individual scale, you might think, oh, that's fine. That They should be able to choose whichever one they want, whichever one makes them happiest. But when you have a big hit song that fragments the dance population and somebody doesn't get out there with the confidence to say, all right, I really thought about it and this is the best set of steps I could think of that would go with this music... If somebody doesn't do that and sort of like round up the, the dance forces, then everyone's going to learn something different. And it really ends up kind of hurting all the individual dances because you could have all had a singular powerful experience together under one dance if that person had stepped up. So in that case, you really need to find that, that sweet spot of being just perfectionist enough to be sure that everyone's going to have a great time with a great dance and also being sort of fleet-footed enough to know when enough is enough and give something all your focus so that you can get it out quickly with a clear conscience so that it doesn't feel rushed. Because you can put eight hours of thought into a dance and then put it out that day after the eight hours, or you can think about it for an hour one day and then come back to it another hour a couple of days later. And as all these days are going by somebody else is coming out with their dance, which might not even be as interesting or fun, but it's the first one people are going to learn, and then yours is nowhere to be found. 
or maybe it's tucked away in some corner while other people are doing other dances at the same event. Yeah. No, so I definitely think, you know, having that time to let some things just settle and process is really, really important. Because um, <clears throat> I know we were struggling with the last, what was it, two counts of Can't Walk Away? And we finally were like, okay, stop trying to force it. Let's just sit on it. Let's let's go ahead and, you know, sleep on it tonight. We'll come back tomorrow and see if we can't figure it out. And just by giving ourselves that permission, the not even, like, seven-minute drive home or whatever, um, we've figured out, like, what steps we wanted to put there. And so just having that extra time and giving ourselves that permission to let something sink in and really just, you know, breathe, we were able to find something. We were fortunate that it was such a short period afterwards, so we had, you know, the whole 32 counts together, and then we were able to, you know, submit a demo, essentially, the next night uh, to a bunch of people to get feedback, but... Like, having that time to process it was really helpful because that's when we came back for the demo and I was like, I don't want to change anything yet. Like, we'll where we'll see what kind of feedback we get, but at this moment, I feel ready to submit the, you know, for feedback. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Leave space on the whiteboard. The next morning, leave the brainstorm board open for the introverts or anyone else who's had an after-the-fact epiphany to add in anything else they might have thought of. We actually use the literal whiteboards yes, we in do. our process. And that does, especially like when, when you structure out your steps like a step sheet on the whiteboard and you just leave space next to the counts. Like let's say you know that you want to hit this clap clap part with an actual clap clap. Then three eight counts into something, you can see on that line one comma two clap clap and then the line under that might be blank it'll just say three four or the line under that might say five and six and because you know that's how you want to hit it with whatever the beat is in the music but you don't know what you want to do to hit the five and six and you just know that that's as much as you've figured out so far somebody else can come in and say you want it to be behind and cross and the specific thing that hits it uh, leaving space lets people say, you know what, let's just put this here for now. We'll see how this works for now. And then when somebody else comes in with 7-8, they can have something to look at for a possibility that that leads into it. You, know, you guys don't have to like settle on something for 5-and, 6-and, uh, but just having something fill that space, even if it's somebody's tentative thought that they don't even really want to voice, but they just kind of want to have it somewhere that can give you a place to go from when you're trying to figure out 7-8 or any other part of the dance. Or like having tentative titles for the dance as well. You know, have a whole list of them. Leave leave a little box on the, the bottom corner that says, you know, ideas for name, question mark, and just write everything that comes to mind. The one that your eye keeps coming back to might be the one that uh, other people's eyes come to on the copper, top, copper knob uh, new release list. Yeah, one, I love the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to write on and erase and rewrite on. Um, I like how we, we've we always done the breakdown of the eight counts and we've left space to write it in because then we can just snap a picture of it when we're, you know, when we have to leave at night and we're not quite finished with it. Or even if we are finished with a section and we, we're really sold on that particular section, we have that already written down, which... One, I can't tell you how much easier it is to make a step sheet that way. Hmm. But two, we can also go back the next day and be like, okay, so this is what we had. I'm not really sold on this part here. Or I know we've also written down, okay, when you hear this song, what movements do you visually see? If you don't necessarily see them somewhere in a particular spot, but you hear them in the music, like... You know you want to have a point and cross. You know you want to have um, some type of hitch. Or you know you want some type of turn here. You know, like you see a turn or something like that. Um, 
but you're not sure where you want to put it, you can have that section to write down, you know, like some of the ideas and then, you know, erase them as you place them into the board or check them off as you place them into the board or, you know, go, oh yeah, I forgot. We also heard this here. Um, does that actually fit anywhere? Does that work? Does that accent a point that maybe we were missing? Nope. Okay. Well then just scratch it, you know, kind of thing. One thing also that I like about whiteboards is it makes things seem non-committal and unofficial so that people don't imprint too hard on them uh, before it's their time. Whereas if you were to try to do the same thing on a computer and just have people type in tentative things, it can get confusing if it, first of all, if it all stays black and white, then you don't know what's official and what's not, what you're keeping and what somebody just typed in when you weren't looking. And if you try to take the extra couple steps and change the font color and whatever, uh, it can slow the process down a little bit and it still kind of looks like the official final thing to the point where people might not be willing to change it as easily as rub your fist over the thing on the whiteboard, try something new, and just have that like quick second be as much thought as you give it. Gives you permission to change things. Whereas if you type out this whole long sentence on uh, the draft of the step sheet that you've got going, you think, oh God, I mean, we could change it, but that means I have to type that whole thing again differently. And typing for some reason seems to take more work, maybe because your fingers are flexed differently than scribbling quickly on a whiteboard where you don't even have to have good penmanship. Yeah. And you can do, use all the different colors, uh, that color code, like this is set, we definitely want this, uh, versus this, this is our kind of faded looking marker and we should probably throw it out once it runs out of ink. Uh, we'll use this one for stuff that we're not totally sold on. Yeah. Nine, regroup. Bring everyone together for a facilitated discussion, not a free-for-all and not a second full-fledged brainstorm, where all the ideas you've generated in the past 24 hours can get efficiently parsed, organized, and shaped into a plan your whole team can move forward with. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've said it a couple times now, but, like, coming back together and going, okay, this is what we've kind of leaned towards, this is what I came up with, this is what you came up with, where can these fit, do they work, do they complement each other, and having that regroup really does help. That also can help for people who are, say, putting on a line dance night at their local bar, and they're trying to think of ideas for making the atmosphere more inviting, or making it seem like a more of a destination place, or making it seem like more of an escape from the real world. You can introduce the idea to all the people who are involved in the process. They can go home and think about it. They can go out to the bars a couple nights and, and say, oh yeah, this place has a really good feel because of X, Y, Z reasons, and this restaurant really makes me feel at home because they do this with their menu. And then when you all regroup later, you're not coming up with brand new ideas and let's talk about this now, which is totally different from last week. It's focused. It's still talking about that topic that you agreed to talk about when you broke up the first time. And you now have all the notes you've taken and the specific relevant thoughts that you have for tackling that um, problem or puzzle. Then after that, you, you can talk about new ideas and new thoughts uh, that aren't as r related. Yeah. Uh, another really good thing that it's kind of along the same lines is like when you're putting out the, uh, when you're putting on events, having that uh, final like dinner with all your staff members and all the people who volunteered um, allows you to just kind of like celebrate what happened and talk about some of the things and you know, like what went really well, what should we work on for next time. Uh, but as an attendee, almost all the events I've been to have some type of comment card mm. and it's a great way for you to contribute as well because I'm, I'm sure that there's certain things that people love and then there's things that people are like, well... That wasn't bad, but I'm sure it could be better. And if you had an idea, that's a great way to submit it because, you know, I mean, we've referenced it a few times now, 
But I think that's pretty much how music in the lobby at Vegas Dance Explosion happened, was people wanted more dancing and they mentioned it. And then they asked for some type of, you know, small cafe or something in there. And then that's how that got put in there. So there are events that will get better simply because you spoke up. And it might not be easy for you to go up to the event director and be like, hey, this is how your event can be better. But if you have a comment card, it's a great way to, you know, get some feedback. Number 10 of 10. Give everyone a stake in the action that follows. Keep in mind that not all introverts are the same. Some can brainstorm for days on end without ever coming up with a concrete goal. Other extroverts love to brainstorm, but their patience runs out after a while. They ultimately want to arrive at a decision or decisive plan. Just like the introverts, these extroverts should be allowed to leave the session whenever they feel it isn't going anywhere. But when it's time to choose a course of action, they should be called back in after the introverts have added their thoughts. Your brainstorm can afford to loosen up and adopt a revolving door policy with people coming and going. But once you've generated enough ideas, everyone has to come together again and forge ahead as a team. Yeah, um, this kind of goes back to one of the early ones we mentioned, but the asking like for the introvert, introverts to like speak up, it's important to ask. Um, it's also important to acknowledge that sometimes that does put them on the spot and that can be added pressure if they don't feel like they've quite formed something. So obviously, you know, the one that's still working on something that they feel comfortable, they can mention like, I haven't quite worked it out yet, but come back to me. Mm. Um, but also if, you know, you ask someone and you're like, I have no idea. I don't know what, what at the moment I'm. I'm trying to process or whatever. Like, oh, that's fine. Just, you know, make sure you let us know if, if you do come up with something. We want to make sure you understand that, you know, your opinion matters too. Um, and while, lack of a better term, catering towards the consideration of the introvert, you can't exclude the extrovert. So, like, if we really are able just to kind of have that good balance... Uh, between the individuals, you know, that's definitely going to make for a better product in the end because that's the other thing is, you know, everybody has their strong suits and if you're able to, like, get a team together that can work off of each other, that's certainly a beneficial thing, but there's also the idea that... uh, when you're giving feedback, regardless if you're an introvert or an extrovert, about a some something or you're brainstorming off of something, it's important, one, when you're getting the feedback, to remember it's not personal, and two, that it is for the sake of the better product that maybe your idea didn't quite fit, but that doesn't mean that it was any less valuable for you to contribute it. Mm. What this reminds me of, now that I think about it, is a long-distance relationship. Because I've I've heard that uh, one of the biggest keys to success in making a long-term or long-distance relationship work is having an end date. Like, you know what it's all for. It's not just for the sake of itself. Because if it's for the sake of itself, a long-distance relationship is not fun. And it's not as easy, in my experience as one where you live within driving distance of each other. If you are brainstorming towards something, but you don't really know what, and you're just throwing out ideas for the fun of it, and you don't have an end date in mind or a thing that's supposed to be accomplished specifically then people who have finite social energy might feel like it's just this prolonged campaign of like war against the void. Whereas other people, like you know, some people who are okay with a long-distance relationship, uh, they might think like, oh, well, I don't have time for a real relationship. So this is perfect. Like I have inexhaustible sources of energy and patience for conversing with somebody that I won't get to actually like walk around with in person for a while. 
other people say no. Like, that's not how I work. I only have so much patience for that before I get upset. And that can be the case for people who don't like just talking about nothing forever. Like, they want to know there's an end time to this, there's a resolution, there's a satisfying conclusion to all of these hems and haws and maybes and ifs. It's going to be this finished product, which is this dance or this event, and by this date, no matter what it is we've thought might work, we're going to have something set. And it might not be everybody's first pick, but at least it's something. So if we all give it a really firm, sustained push with all of our energy, only until then, then we can pull this thing off. It's like, oh my goodness. I've had this happen at live live events. It's like when an artist plays a song and you think, oh good, I know a line dance to this. And you go out there and you do the line dance. In your head, you're thinking there is an end point to this. There are, there are four minutes to this song. When I'm done, I'm done. So I can go 100%, really burn myself out on this great song, great dance. And then they transition it into another song seamlessly which you didn't expect and you didn't know that your end date your end time have you didn't know ahead of time those were going to shift so now you're still doing it and then they transition into another song and you're 12 minutes in and you've given 300 percent, and you're upset and you feel bamboozled and you wish you would have had a clearer set of expectations ahead of time so you could have allocated your finite energy appropriately for the situation. Maybe really built up to the last song if you'd known there were going to be three. Same thing goes for open dance playlists where they just start inserting stuff. You know, they they say, okay, here are three dances and they're all real crackerjack dances. You're going to be sweating at the end of them. And then either of a couple things might happen. They'll just start typing another really high energy dance after the third dance and they'll keep adding dances after that third dance and you're like when are we going to get to pieces when are we going to get to poetry in motion it's just always on the horizon it's never arriving and uh, the other thing that might happen is midnight might happen and they just stop typing things and uh, yeah then who knows what's going to get played so it's important for people with finite energy like introverts with social energy, to have a sense of when it's all going to be over. That way they know when it's safe to put all their best efforts and energy into it and when they know they can just start to cool it down and and roll it back and feel like they did what they set out to do. They weren't asked to do more than they wanted. Um, And they, they feel like they have something to show for it. As they say, give everyone a stake in the action that follows. Also, fun fact, the authors, Judah Pollock and Olivia Fox Caban, uh, th- those are the two folks who, who wrote this article. Caban might be familiar for those who remember our Charisma set of uh, articles because she wrote, I guess, uh, the Charisma Myth or something regarding Charisma, and uh, it's the same person going from last week and the week before's articles into this one. Any last thoughts about this before we hit a musical break? Well, I was going to say, um, and and if it sounds like we don't enjoy the, uh, you're trying to kill us, <laughs> uh, we love you, JP and, and Louie, and we actually have a lot of fun to see how long we can last. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's how we grow. <laughs> when you think you only have three dances in you, and then you actually have seven... That's how you learn about yourself. And you become the kind of person who can do eight. Yeah. Yep. All right. So this article, once again, was called 10 New Rules for Brainstorming Without Alienating Introverts. This was on FastCompany.com, written by Judah Pollock and Olivia Fox Caban. For our musical break today... I was thinking we'd put on a track 
that uh, we've actually heard in the last 24 hours. This was Megan's teach last night at Sonoma State Line Dance Club. The dance is Put It On Me. The song is also Put It On Me by Brianna Lee. The dance for which is a a collaborative process uh, output from Cody Flowers and Madison Glover. This is Put It On Me. (laughs) 